Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, the absolute best and easiest way to host your podcast and get paid for it by running ads just like these. And take it from me, I've hosted at least seven of my podcasts on Anchor.fm. I recommend it to every show on our network. And other hosts are going to charge you upwards of $100 every year just to run your podcast on their host. Anchor.fm does it for free. So go check out Anchor.fm for more information. The Cyberpunk Lorecast is now brought to you by our awesome patrons at patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast. Everyone who supports the show gets episodes early and an ad-free experience. Plus, it's pay what you want. It starts at $3 a month, and you can pay more if you'd like. Go check it out, patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberpunk... Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. I love digging back into the original source books for cyberpunk. 2013 has a very specific style about it when you look at the artwork especially, but even some of the language used and some of the writing in it. It's very 1980s, and I love that it is placed in 2013 as if that is a faraway future, which of course we have now eclipsed. Today's episode, we are talking about Netrunners. This is one of the other three classes you can play as in Cyberpunk 2077. We're going to take a little bit deeper look at this, and we're also going to throw in at the end of the episode some of the terms and phrases, some of the lingo from Cyberpunk 2013 and discuss that as well. So let's just get right into it. According to the source book, the 2013 source book, and they reuse, I've I've mentioned this before, they reuse a lot of the language from the original book and tweak it a little bit in some of the other books. But this is the original description of a netrunner, a cybernetic computer hacker. At three, your parents bought you an old Apple IV GS with a Radius 241 war screen, and your life was changed. By fifth grade, you'd already mastered everything the school computer literacy lab could throw at you. You were already using C and Metalingua to crack into the district's mainframe and change your grades. When you were 13, you shifted enough funds out of unprotected trans-American bank accounts to finance your first neural interface plugs. Now, nothing can stop you. With your direct mental link to the computer, you can plunge headfirst into the dizzying data winds of the net, the worldwide telecommunication system that joins humanity together. As an electronic wraith, you are the ultimate hacker. And I'm just going to pause here for a second. In this original text, the word hacker is in quotes as if it was a special phrase that we may not be familiar with. 
I love this. I love I love the idea of looking forward into this dystopian future from the 1980s and thinking that the net or hacker were words that most people wouldn't necessarily be familiar with in the 1980s. That that is just awesome. It's awesome to put your brain back in that space because the Internet is so ubiquitous. It's, it's something we're all very familiar with at this point. It goes on and says your brain wired into special modems and computer links. You slip into the hardest mainframe systems with ease. Your defense and offense programs are arrayed at a touch of your mental fingertips. A quick jolt of demon or vampire, and those are italicized, and the data fortresses fall. IBM, ITT, Sony, Matsushima, Ford, which is all one company, Sony-Matsushima-Ford, you've tackled them all buying trading and selling their deepest secrets at will sometimes you uncover important things corporate treachery or deadly secrets but that's not why you net run you live for the new program the next sat elite download the next piece of hot data that comes your way it's only a matter of time you think every year the counter intrusion programs get better the artificial intelligence is smarter. Sooner or later, a faster program or programmers going to catch up. Reach out with your electronic fingers through your interface plugs and stop your heart. But time's on your side, and until the ride runs out, you'll be there, bare-brained and head-first in the internet. I like that uh, that idea, that concept of bare-brained in the internet, because the idea behind a netrunner isn't that they're just good at hacking a computer. This isn't somebody who is a keyboard warrior, somebody who types well and can undo the code and sees it on a screen. This concept is very, very similar, I guess you could say, to something like The Matrix where you are jacked in head first. In fact, that may have been the idea that they were going for when they plug in people in the backs of their heads in the Matrix movies and they jack them into the into the net, well, into the simulation that is the world that the humans are living in. And that's what it's like for a net runner. You're not just hacking into a data mainframe of, of some sort, you are plugging your brain directly into the machines that are the backdrop for the entire world, for the way that everything works. Everything is plugged in somewhere. And as a net runner, you live a second life plugged into this net, physically plugged in. And in the technology of cyberpunk, it's much more about wires and hard wiring things into other things and less about Wi-Fi networks and cellular data. This is a world that was envisioned in the 1980s. And I really like the idea of futures that are the concept of a specific time period based on their worldview and the technologies that they knew moved into the future. You can see this in the Fallout games. In Fallout, you have a future that was designed around the around the the idea of what the future would be like from the 1950s and the 1960s. It's a retro futurism. 
we don't have shrunken down electronics in the Fallout games. You have everything being tube powered and fusion powered, but you don't have, for example, shrunken down computers. If you look around in the Fallout world, everything that works as a computer screen is a very large computer screen. There are no LED screens. We don't have cell phones or miniature devices that can compute things at a very fast rate compared to their size. That doesn't exist. The Pip-Boy in the Fallout games is large and bulky. It is the furthest advancement that that world makes by the year 2077 to miniaturize something and put it on your arm <laughs> and make it work. But yet it is a very large, bulky device. And it's very limited in its ability to process things. The interface is even two colors still, bright green and dark green. In the world of cyberpunk, we have a retrofuturism of the 1980s. In the 1980s, we were aware of, or at least some of us were aware of, this future where things would be connected through data links. And those data links didn't run over any sort of wireless communication. They were built into the infrastructure that we had. They were built into the phone lines. And in the 1980s, if you were one of the few organizations, one of the few academic organizations, colleges, or major corporations that were plugged into the net or the military, then it was a hardwired plug. That was the only way for you to transmit enough data across the current infrastructure. It wasn't until really the late 90s that things like Wi-Fi networks became more common and able to be used. And that future was not necessarily predicted by the writers in the 1980s. So let's get back to Netrunners. If you are a Netrunner, and I can't speak for the way that things work in Cyberpunk 2077, because there may be ways of, for gameplay reasons, connecting through wirelessly to some of the things that are going on in the game. Maybe by 2077, the world has changed a little bit and there are wireless connections. But I have a feeling that in order to really load yourself into a program and walk around in it, that you're going to have to be hardwired linked because that is the future that is written about in these original books. So in Cyberpunk 2013, the, the original book for this, it goes on and says that there is a special ability for the Netrunners called Interface. While other characters can use computers and other cyber-assisted tools, only Netrunners have the training and ability to think at the lightning fast speeds required for cyber deck hacking, the higher your interface ability, the faster your mental reactions are, allowing you to beat enemy computers and programmers at their own game. To use your interface, you will add it to your REF stat as if it were a skill and use it to make attacks and defenses with your programs. This is part of what it means to be a netrunner. Having the mental fortitude to be able to outthink your opponents, especially while hacking. And I used the description earlier, this idea of running around in the program, because I think that's a good representation 
of what it might be like to be a netrunner. Imagine putting on VR goggles, right? VR, a VR headset. Goggles isn't the right word, but a VR headset. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're in a completely different place. Now imagine if you could plug that VR headset directly into your brain. And as soon as that plugs into your brain, you are in a different place. There is no moving the headset a little bit and shifting the way things work or adjusting the headphones from your ears so you can still kind of hear the person talking next to you. This is plugged in and it's all about how fast and how accurately your brain works in order to dodge the systems, in order to hack through the defenses, and in order to defend yourself. That's what it's like being a net runner. And that's why net runner is a good description because it's about speed. So after the quick little break, we will get back to this and we are going to discuss some of what we do know about being a net runner in Cyberpunk 2077 and what that gameplay might actually be like. And then we'll talk about some of the language and some of the wording from Cyberpunk 2013. So we'll be right back. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. All right, Cyberpunks, thank you for joining me again on the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I have gotten so much wonderful feedback from you guys reaching out to me on the Robots Radio Discord and on Twitter. And I can't tell you how much it thrills me to get responses from you guys telling me how much you like the show and how much it's going to prepare you for Cyberpunk 2077 when it does launch in a few months. I really, really do appreciate the feedback. And some of you guys were concerned that the show isn't going to keep going, but yes, we're, we're going, we're on a weekly schedule at this point. Every week there should be a new episode early in the week, usually at least by Tuesdays. And so we're, we're still going with it guys. In fact, this show is now sponsored. We, we have our first major sponsor across the robots radio network. You're going to hear on the other shows on the network as well. My other shows, the fallout Lorecast, the elder scrolls, Lorecast, the dungeons and dragons, Lorecast, but also the other shows on the network that across the network, we are now sponsored by loot crate. Loot crate. Loot crate is awesome. I love loot crate. I love getting loot crate boxes uh, and subscriptions for my birthday. Uh, I've done that in the past. My wife has gotten me subscriptions. I've gotten her subscriptions. They have fallout crates and video game crates and all sorts of cool stuff. So go check out loot crate, click the link in the show notes and put in robots radio as the code and you will get 15% off whatever you decide to purchase a few crates, a whole bunch of crates. So that's robots radio R O B O T S R A D I O. 
Again, Robots Radio is the code, 15% off, and then you will help support the show and you'll get some awesome loot like t-shirts and minifigures and decorations for your wall and all sorts of cool stuff. So go check that out. Robots Radio is the code, 15% off. Do yourself a favor, get yourself something awesome and save some money. All right, cyberpunks, we're back. And this is your host, Tom or robots. I didn't introduce myself during the middle, but I probably should do that. Uh, I'm your host as usual. And I told you we were going to get into some of the stuff going on with cyberpunk 2077 and what net runners might be like in that game. And there was an explanation that the quest designer, Philip Weber, I hope it's Weber. It looks like Weber. Maybe there's only one B. Um, explained back when they dropped some of the gameplay for Cyberpunk 2077 back uh, about a year ago. And he explained that Netrunners are very creative in how they play the game. So he said specifically, quote, we have access points and in the world of Cyberpunk, they can control all the different devices in the area, which of course, as a Netrunner is pretty useful because you can hack that access point. If you successfully do that, you can now use quick hacks. You can, from a distance, take over different devices like a camera, for example. So it looks like you hack an access point physically. You physically get into it, you hack it, and then you end up with a wireless link. And I, I talked about this a little bit. The, the physical hacking, the physical connection is primary and is most important. He then goes on and says, you can do many different things. Look through the camera and have a completely different view or just turn it off if it's in your way. So in a situation like this, it sounds like if you're hacking into a room and you need to get a sense of who is in that room and how you're going to approach the combat sequence, having access to the cameras across the area is going to come in very handy. Or you might be in a situation where those cameras will give away your position so you can just turn them off. He also notes an example where you can take over a turret and have it fight for you. He also noted that in some situations, there's more to it. For example, you come across a gym with a robot that has helped training boxers and you could take over the robot boxer and use it to fight for you. So it seems like they've worked in many different kinds of situations and that we need to look at this game as and the environments like they're laid out in a game like Deus Ex or uh, Hitman. You have situations where you have an environment that can be tackled many different ways. You have a dilemma. You need to get into a building. If you are a solo, maybe you just gun the door down, right? But if you're a net runner, maybe you hack in. And in some cases, maybe you don't even have to be physically present in order to take out the enemies in front of you. Maybe you just sick all the turrets and robots on them. And then after everyone's dead, you come in and clean up whatever's left. So it seems like there's some very dynamic gameplay. This also means that it might be the kind of game where you're going to want to play through it a number of different times using different play styles just to see what kinds of things you can do. Now, here's the other thing that hasn't been mentioned, or at least I haven't seen mentioned. So please correct me if I'm wrong. If you guys know more than I do about this, let me know. But in the world of cyberpunk, people get augmentations to their brains. And if you replace enough 
of the way that your brain works with hardware, then the majority or all of what's left could be synthetic hardware. So what happens when a Netrunner is powerful enough, fast enough, to hack directly into an enemy? Can they take over that enemy? Can they influence that enemy's actions? Can they use that enemy as a companion, maybe just temporarily? I don't know how this plays out in Cyberpunk 2077, but in a tabletop version of the game, if I was running an adventure and they came across enemies that were almost completely robotic in their processing, then I think I would allow for roles to see if that Netrunner, if they could physically get up and hack them directly. And we do know in Cyberpunk 2077 that there is a line that can come out of your arm, a hard wire that you can use to plug into things. If they were to get the jump on an enemy like this and plug directly into them, would they be able to incapacitate them or take them over? I think if this was my tabletop game, that I would, I would allow that if the roles are good enough. I have to wonder what this is going to be like in 2077. I guess we're just going to have to see. So let me know your thoughts on that. I'd love to have a conversation with you guys on Twitter. The Twitter account is at cyberpunk lore. And let's start a conversation. I'd love to hear how you've done it in the past. In some cases, how have you played and role played a net runner in the past? And what kinds of things and limitations has that net runner had about the way they can interact with the world? All right, so let's move on to some other fun things here. In the Cyberpunk sourcebook, the uh, 2013 sourcebook, there's a section here about some of the uh, street slang. They define it. Terms, definitions, and slang expressions from the Cyberpunk world. And I love this stuff. I love this stuff. So we've got words like booster, any member of a gang that affects cyberware, leather clothing, and random violence. Hey, man, are you a booster? Get out of here. Uh, combat drugs, any one of a series of designer drugs created to increase speed, stamina, and reflex timing, of course. Uh, a chew, C-H-O-O-H, street lang for alcohol, as used in vehicle power plants. The vast majority of vehicles are fueled by an advanced form of alcohol with a higher burning temperature than normal methanol. A chromer is a 21st century heavy metal rock fan. So a chromer is somebody who would go to a concert. For example, chromatic rock is a type of heavy metal characterized by heavy electronics, simple rhythms, and violent lyrics. A disc is a record or a recording, or for example, a laser disc. Dwarfs is street slang for synthetic endorphins, a designer drug that increases healing powers, limits fatigue, and produces a rush similar to a second wind. So I have a feeling we're going to see some of those in 2077. Go Leo to make a trip into low earth orbit, L-E-O, low earth orbit, or to visit one of the inner space stations. So I wonder if we're going to be able to go Leo in 2077. A gyro is a small one or two manned air gyrocopter, usually mostly in police work and corporate strike interdictions. I can imagine a situation where you would take over one of those and use it to your own advantage. Hydro, street slang for hydrogen fuel used to power a sizable number of vehicles. Input, and get this, this means your girlfriend. That's a, that's a little rough there. Uh, then we have keyboard, street slang for a computer interface deck with manual keys. 
also a workstation, to net run is to interface with the net and use it to enter secure systems. Your output is your boyfriend. Input, output. Polymer one-shot street slang for any cheap plastic pistol, usually in the 22 to 38 caliber range. A poser gang is any group whose members all affect a specific look, style, or body sculpt job. Hey, look at that poser gang over there. They have all got really short legs. <laughs> I doubt that's a thing, but, you know, maybe. Uh, Ripper Doc is a surgeon specializing in implanting illegal cybernetics. You'll probably come across some Ripper Docs in 2077. Of course, a Ronin, a freelance assassin or mercenary, usually considered to be untrustworthy. Of course, there's Samurai, a corporate assassin or mercenary, usually hired to protect corporate property and make strikes on other corporate holdings. A stud, or also studying in or studying, is to plug into any vehicle or machine by direct neural link. I have a feeling if you're a net runner, you're going to be studying a lot of different types of machines. VTOL, V-E-E-T-O-L, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, usually applied to the Boeing Osprey, a medium-sized cargo and assault craft with the pitched propellers. Since the Osprey's conception in 1988, the aircraft industry has produced a number of like designs, such as the Boeing Kestrel, a business aircraft, the Kessna Swingswing, which is a light private aircraft, and the Lear Rota Jet, executive business jet. Then the last one we have is wearing color. This is street slang evolved from the 20th century to wear an armor jacket with a nylon leather or silk overshell embroidered with the symbol of a gang. Have a feeling you're going to be coming across quite a number of people in 2077 wearing color. So now you've got the lingo. You can use these in the uh, real world out here, which is progressively looking more and more like the cyberpunk future that we will be playing this game in in the next few months. I hope that's not a uh, premonition of things to come. So, well, if it is, at least you'll have the lingo to use and you guys will be ready. <laughs> Get a lot of practice in the game. Maybe it'll pay off in the real world. All right, cyberpunks, you guys be safe out there. For real, be safe. Make some good decisions. Night City is a dangerous place and more and more this world seems to be very similar to Night City. So. Take it easy, everybody. I will see you next week with another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. 
Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier Podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE to PvP and everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We, we hope, hope you, you check, check us, us out. out. Thanks. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.